morning, everyone. I'm just going to tag on to that prayer. Um, Holy Spirit, we just love your presence. Thank you for your presence. Yeah, we just even ask that you would increase your presence in this place. Hmm. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> All right. Oh, it feels so good in here. Oh, my goodness. Today was amazing. The worship was awesome. Yeah, let's give a thanks to the worship team again. They do such an amazing job. And yeah. All right, today, um, I guess last time I preached, I preached about how humility is the evidence of a secure identity and, and how humility is a big core value here at Evergreen. How many of you are here for that talk? Okay. Only a few of you. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but we really want to reproduce people of humility here. And I approached this topic of humility as something not to be seen as behavior modification and not, necess not necessarily trying to be more humble, but having a bigger purpose of wanting a more secure identity to a place where you are so secure in your identity that humility is a byproduct. You know, oftentimes in the church, we are told what to do and what not to do. We're told how to act and how not to act. And it becomes a perpetual cycle of living under a law system of trying to become righteous by our own works. Does it make sense? That's pretty much the, the definition of religion, right? And it, it's pretty much the Roman 7 man dilemma where in Romans 7, Paul's describing how, you know, we try to do good, we try to obey, but the more we try, we keep failing, and then condemnation comes in, and it's this cycle and this prison that we're stuck in. But thanks be to God, right, who saved us from that death and that trap of being in that law system. So it becomes a carnal battle of trying to do good and be good by our own self-effort and, and our behavior modification, meanwhile constantly failing, feeling condemned, and trying over and over again in a cyclical trap. Today's sermon, if you want to pop up that title, it's called The Judgment Trap. <laughs> I know, it sounds really heavy. Um, <laughs> so when you're in this trap, it often ends with frustration and little fruit and little transformation. But I believe that true transformation comes from heart transformation that can only come through intimacy with God. It's actually a supernatural transformation that takes place by grace through faith and not of your works. So when you're in this understanding this legal law mindset of, I'm just going to be better, I'm just going to do good and be good. Well, yeah, you can do that. And on the outside, it'll look like you have some change in your life. But true transformation isn't external. It's not something that you can do, it's supernatural. Okay. Yeah. 
So um, when we can actually see that it's not about, about us doing and being good, but more about us pursuing heart transformation through intimacy with Jesus, then the byproduct of that will be transformed behavior. So self-help, emotional health, has been trending in this past decade for Christians and non-Christians alike. Would you agree? The difference is the world seeks after improving oneself while Christians have access to transformation as a new creation. That's the biggest difference. So we have access to something that the world doesn't. Being born again through Jesus Christ. Sometimes we take that term for granted. You know, we hear it all the time, being born again. But take a moment to think about what that actually means. Being born again. That's not something that happens in the natural. It happens in the, in the spiritual, right? It's spiritually discerned. There's a brand new life being birthed and something old dying. So the world, their transformation is already capped off because their starting point isn't the new man. Instead, they're trying to beautify an old sinful nature. So what do I mean by that? In the world, you can only improve on your old man. I, I like to say this quote, uh, you can put perfume on a dead corpse, but it's still a rotting, smelling dead corpse. Only through Christ can you have transformation from sinner to saint. Old sinful nature to new righteous nature. You can't perform and change your behavior to become a new creation. Your ceiling is still the best old man you can be. So your starting point has to be born again by supernatural grace and faith, uh, through faith, but not, not by your works. So transformation is that, supernatural. It's not merely behavior modification. Does that make sense? The reason why I wanted to build that foundation is because I do want to talk about judgment and gossip. But when we hear something like this preached in a church, oftentimes we'll just tune right out and we, we just brace ourselves for this spanking that's going to come from the pastor. Like, this is who you guys have been bad with judgment and gossip. You guys got to stop doing that, correct your behavior, and, and so forth. But... I really don't think that actually provides any fruit, real fruit. Because if I do that to you, I'm perpetuating this, perpetuating this law system and putting you under condemnation where you're going to fail because there's no grace there. So similar to the humility topic today, I want to talk about something I believe is a culture shaper here at Evergreen. And that topic is rooting out judgment and gossip from our lives and how that actually is a benefit to us. It's a huge benefit to us. So yeah, I don't want to put this burden on you to spank you <laughs> and to tell you that you're a failure and you have to modify your behavior. <laughs> but I hope to show you a higher motivation, to give you a higher motivator of why you should not want to be stuck in the system of judgment and gossip. And how judgment and gossip actually keeps you from transformation and it negatively affects your emotional health. How many of you guys are like really into inner healing and emotional health and wanting to see the fullness of your 
the possibility of your health, right? All of you are, right? See, if you believe that you will always struggle with judgment and gossip, and you identify it as who you are, you will always struggle with it by faith. Because you believe that that's who you are. So if you believe it, you're going to manifest it. It's going to come out as truth. You first have to believe that it's possible to not struggle with that because through the finished work of Jesus Christ, it is no longer your identity and your wiring. So I, I actually want to take the next two Sundays to kind of unpack this topic. There's so much there. And uh, today I'm just going to focus more on how it affects us. And the next time I preach, I'm going to uh, talk about and expand on how it affects others in our environment. So when Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree, they became judges and gods unto themselves and judge what was good and what was bad, right and wrong. It's the operating system of the fallen man. They judged that the fruit was good, right? They, they judged that the fruit was good for food, pleasing to the eye, good for wisdom, but they didn't know that it would kill them. They got it wrong. They completely missed it. And history has shown that we are not good at judging things that only God knows and, only, and those things that only he has the right to judge. So when you operate out of an old identity and an old operating system, you are keeping the old man alive. What do I mean by that? You are carnally minded. And when you are carnally minded, you can't, be spiritually minded because they are against each other. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, if you could put that up on the screen, it says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So when you don't realize that, hey, your natural wiring now as a born-again Christian is no longer operating in a system of judgment, then, and you keep operating out of that, that system of judgment, basically you cut yourself off from being spiritually minded and knowing what it's like to operate in the new man. So in a sense, you're keeping that old man alive. You're not living in your new identity. You're still stuck in your old identity. When that happens, you limit your transformation because you're simply not aware of a new and living way that God has provided for you. We have to realize that the way of the world is not what we are created for. In the world, judging has become normal, right? And we've grown up becoming professional judges. I mean, think about this. Like, this morning, if you scrolled on Facebook and Instagram, and you're just scrolling through it, how many times have you just made judgments, like snap judgments about other people without even being conscious of it? And, you know, I'm, I mean, it happens to me too. So I'm not saying, oh, look, look how bad you are by doing that. It's just how we're wired and trained in the world. But if we're not aware of it, then we don't know that, hey, it's possible to, well, first of all, we won't know that it's a problem, right? And it's actually hindering us. But second of all, we don't know what's possible, that you could actually live without that wiring. So my definition of judgment is this, 
It's assuming that I know someone's heart's, heart intentions, beliefs, or motives behind their actions, even, even if all evidence point to that. And it seems like I'm, I'm actually right about that person. You see, it's not about if I end up being right or wrong. I simply don't even want to go there as my normal mode of operation. So that's the thing. People can justify themselves of saying, hey, I'm judging this person, but I know I'm right. And um, see, it turns out I am right. That person is, you know, whatever label you give them. And so they justify saying, look, that's discernment. That's okay, because I got it right. But the thing is, is that's still judgment. So when I'm talking about rooting out judgment from your life, it's not even allowing yourself to go there. See, you can never know and assume someone's heart's intentions or motives. There's no way for you to actually know that. Only God can judge hearts, right? Only he can test the hearts. There's no way for you to know. I believe when we judge someone, we're actually putting them under a law. And anything under a law is a curse. It's a condemnation. It's a do-to-get, perform-to-earn reward system. So our love and our blessing is conditional on their ability to meet our requirement of them. Only when they meet our secretly created requirement that only we know about is when we actually approve of them. So what happens when we judge someone is this. We assume their heart motives, heart intentions, and we label them. So for example, if someone walks by you at church and doesn't say hi to you, right? You can immediately judge that person. How many people have had that happen? Where you're like, why did this person just walk by me? They didn't even say hi, right? You can immediately judge that person saying, oh, that person is so full of themselves or thinks he or she is too good for me, right? Does this hit home for anyone here? <laughs> is it just me? <laughs> so you put a label on them, and now you see that person through that perspective and label that you place on them as someone who is prideful and arrogant. Now all your interactions with uh, that person and your feelings about that person are seen and filtered through that lens. They can't earn your approval or love until they satisfy the law that you created for them and only you know about. I won't approve of them until they prove me wrong. How many times have we gotten the wrong idea about people and then regret it later that we got it so wrong? I know that has happened to me a lot where I completely misjudged someone. And turns out when I like, find out more about this person, I'm like, oh my gosh, this person's amazing. How did I get, get it so wrong? I actually want to recommend this book. It's called How to Stop the Pain. Uh, it's by uh, Dr. James Richards. And uh, what I love about this book is that it comes from a finished works perspective. And this is really important to me because a lot of even Christian books and self-help books come from a place of you having to do work in order to you know, get better or have more health in your life. And it, unknowingly, you could read it just innocently, just wanting health in your life, but unknowingly what it makes you do is puts you in that works mentality where you're like, I need to do this. If I just do these steps, I'm going to have more health in my life. That to me is just behavior modification. It's not transformation. So I'm not actually interested in that. 
I, I, I want the supernatural power of God that comes through the grace of God through faith. Through faith is, faith is believing. Believing in what you can't even see or understand. So I might not even get the exact principles to do step one, step two, step three to make me feel like, okay, now I get it. Now I can change. I want to partner with the grace that's coming from the finished works of the cross, what Jesus accomplished on the cross for, for me. That if he really made me a brand new creation, how do I see myself, how do I become that brand new creation? If, if it never was earned by works in the first place, then why am I trying to be a new creation through my works? It's counterintuitive, right? It doesn't make sense. And so that's why I love this book. And uh, it goes through you know, topics of inner healing, emotional health, and it breaks down to the root issue is that it's because we're stuck in the cycle of judgment. One of the points that this book talks about is how attaching significance to an event causes pain and trauma. So I, I want to actually read a little bit from, a little excerpt from this book. This is funny because this is not my example. This example's in the book. <laughs> so it says, imagine how the following event could become devastating. On Sunday morning, unknown to you, the pastor had to deal with a crisis situation, one that would make the difference between life and death, heaven or hell, or a saved marriage instead of a broken one. As he rushes into the church where the service has already begun, his mind is totally occupied with that crisis. You speak to him as he walks past. He seemingly ignores you. Nothing negative actually happened. He simply did not speak to you. However, through your feelings of inadequacy, you begin to think about it and attach significance to it. You begin to measure it. You create a judgment. You ask yourself the W question. Why didn't he speak to me? Based on how you answer that question, your self-talk could continue like this. I don't think he likes me. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure he ever really did like me. You, you attach significance to insignificant actions, and now, based on your judgment, it is measured back to you as pain and rejection. That event now has power in your life. At this point, the matter could easily be resolved. You could approach the pastor, describe the event without judgment, and learn that his actions had nothing to do with you because he was lost in thought at the time. It would not have mattered who was standing there. He would not have noticed anyone who spoke. Or maybe you go home angry and frustrated, perhaps after withholding your offering. <laughs> you guys do that? <laughs> Is this book revealing? <laughs> then it goes a step beyond that as you begin to tell others what the pastor did to you. I've been faithful and loyal to that church, and the pastor has never liked me. And on top of that, he's rude to me. You are really hurting now. You have real mental pain and anguish, but it is not based on what the other person did to you. It is based on the judgment you passed. So what he's describing here is that a lot of our source of emotional pain and trauma is that we have multiple, multiple, multiple events like this where we assume and judge someone's heart intention. We attach significance to it and we allow it to be an event that has power over us. And that uh, an event that could create pain and trauma. So compound that with all the judgments we make 
throughout even one single day, you're filtering things through even your own self-perception of you. Like, let's say if it's a rejection thing, then anything that doesn't go your way with a, a relationship or a conversation, you're going to filter through a lens of self, I mean, yeah, like rejection. And that's the crazy thing. The, the person that, you know, you have relationship is probably even unaware of it. So yeah, I really recommend this book. I can't go into, it goes much deeper into this topic. Um, it's a book that I actually recommend to anyone that I'm discipling. And uh, yeah, it, it's really good. So go check that out. All right. So I want to talk about a little bit about my journey and why this is super important to me. You know, when I began my relationship with God, I was focusing largely on the finished works of the cross. And I so badly and desperately wanted to know my identity. It was a time where I literally didn't know who I was. And I grew up in religion, so I knew that I didn't want to be stuck in something where I just have to put on a show or like learn how to do all the right things because honestly, that's exhausting and tiring. And it only produced more condemnation and death in me. So I, I really wanted to focus on the supernatural transformation that, that came through just simply Jesus dying on the cross for me. Because if that simple truth, that simple act, not simple act, it was, a, it was he, he gave his whole life for us, right? It was an extravagant act. If that one act wasn't good enough to transfer me into what he said, the Bible says, that it transformed me into a new creation, then I'm hopeless. I've, I've become convinced from an early stage that I can't change myself. It has to be a supernatural transformation. So even though I focus on this new creation identity, I, I attach as much faith as I could. I spend hours and days just, just meditating on this and focusing on my, my new identity. I actually still struggled with self-hatred, and I, I kept giving myself a hard time. In fact, I, I struggled with self-hatred most of my life. And um, it, it, I was really in bondage. So as a result, it was really hard for me to love myself. I don't know if any of you guys could relate. Um, and ultimately, it was hard for me to let God love me. I mean, how can, how can you receive the love of God if, if you can't even love yourself, right? So even, I, even though I knew and did all the right things, I wasn't seeing the transformation I believed was available. And one day God was speaking to me about judgment out of nowhere. It's not something that I was looking for. And I didn't see the whole picture of why at the time. Sometimes God does that, you know. He, he knows how to lead us. He knows how to teach us. I mean, judgment is not like a, a sexy topic where you're like, ooh, I want to know more about that, <laughs> right? <laughs> As time went on, he started to show me the reason why I kept giving myself a hard time. And he showed me that when I'm hard on others, I'm hard on myself. And this began a journey of me exploring why God, had, God wanted me to live free from judgment 
not just a mere commandment to follow, but that it was actually in my own personal best interest, and it was for my benefit. He knew that I was passionately going after a healthy and whole identity, and he knew that judgment was a stumbling block. It was something, a barrier in the way of me getting to what my heart really wanted. And as I'm preaching this, I'm not saying I'm perfect at this. In fact, I got more reminded of this because I was actually slipping away from it. And I was, I was becoming more judgmental. And uh, I could recognize it because I'd spend a lot of time trying to root it out. And uh, ultimately, I just had to take a stand and say, hey, I don't want to live this way. So what happens when we judge someone is we put them under a law. And we, when we judge someone, we put that same law on ourselves. In Matthew 7, verse 1, can we put that up on the screen? Yeah. Verse 1, it says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Similarly, in, in Romans 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. That word condemn, where it says, whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself, that word condemn in the Greek is uh, katakrino. It, it means to give judgment against, to judge worthy of punishment. So basically, when you're judging someone else, basically you're judging yourself as someone who is worthy of punishment. Yeah, it's heavy. So what, when you read these scriptures, it can be a little confusing, but let me rephrase it. Basically, what happens is like when we judge someone, we hold ourselves to that same standard. We put a law on ourselves that brings condemnation, and we are operating in our old man when we judge. So let's say you judge someone on Instagram, okay? Uh, there's someone who posts like a gym selfie or an outfit of the day selfie, and uh, no one does that in here, right? <laughs> we could just easily judge that person as, oh, they're too into themselves, they're too insecure, they're too superficial, uh, maybe they're not spiritually mature or emotionally mature. They're immature, right? No one does that here. <laughs> but what also happens is now you put that, you unknowingly, unconsciously put that law on yourself. So the next time you think about posting a selfie, it, it might be a gym selfie or outfit of the day selfie, you know. It, <laughs> you start to think about this. Oh, I don't want to feel like a hypocrite. And, you know, maybe you're okay with not posting gym selfies or outfit of the day selfies, but you're, like, uh, thinking about posting another selfie, right? And then you justify it saying, oh, it's okay for me to post this selfie because it's not as bad as the other one. But you're doing the same thing. 
<laughs> Is this too relatable? Jeff? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So either that or you don't post a selfie at all. Either way, your heart is condemned by the same law you place on others. So when we make that judgment, oh, that person is, is so full of themselves. Now there's this thing hovering over your head where subconsciously we want to make sure we're not full of ourselves. So we don't want to be hypocritical. But when you're living outside of the system of judgment, you don't have those things hovering over yourself. You can just be free to, to navigate the waters with God of like what it means to be a new creation. You're not worrying, oh, am I being too critical? Am I being too superficial? Am I being this or that? And try to act in a way that you think is appropriate, right? And, and you're just free from all that pressure to perform and to be something that you think is righteous. So we put ourselves under that same law where we have to perform under this law and standard. And we oftentimes end up doing the same thing that we, we accuse others of, bringing even more condemnation to ourselves. So when we're hard on others, we are hard on ourselves. We start judging others harshly, therefore judging ourselves harshly and giving ourselves a hard time. And as we judge ourselves, we judge ourselves worthy of punishment. This is a form of self-hatred, and self-hatred inhibits transformation because it's hard for us to receive the love of God when we can't love ourselves. Judging others increases the pressure on you, and you'll continually find what's, what's wrong with you. And so I was in this cycle of pain and um, just negative self-introspection, just judging myself, and I was stuck under that law, that Romans 7 dilemma, where I'm just really good at picking apart myself, right, and seeing every area that, I can, uh, that I'm failing at and trying to improve those areas. But when I'm like negatively introspective and focusing on those areas, I'm focusing on, like my main focus is on who I'm actually, you know, who I'm actually not. The truth of who I'm not, uh, who, of who I am escapes me. So I'm not explaining that well. Uh, so if I really am a new creation, right? And if I focus on the fact that I have a righteous nature, what will manifest is righteousness. But if, if I keep focusing on the negative and how I keep missing it, I'm going to believe subconsciously that that's still who I am. And because I believe that's my identity, I'm going to act out of that. So when you're stuck in that Old, uh, old Testament old man, the, that legal system of judgment, basically what's happening is that you're, you're sticking yourself under the law where there's only condemnation and you can't transform because you put conditions on yourself that you cannot even approve of yourself until you prove to yourself that you're worthy of it. Unless I do the right things and and appease my own label and my, my condition and standard of myself, I can't love myself, I can't approve of myself. 
And we think rationally that this is the way to actually go after growth is just to see where, we, where we're missing it and to improve on those areas. But in fact, it's the opposite because it keeps us in condemnation. And condemnation cannot bring transformation. What can bring transformation is actually stepping into a mindset of grace and mercy where you give people the benefit of the doubt. You start to show them mercy. And as a result, it's coming back to you as grace. And it's coming back to you as mercy. And when you could actually start to focus on how God actually sees you, the truth of who you are, instead of all of your, all of your mistakes, it's in that place of intimacy, in that place of where you know you're loved by God, that all those things, all those areas of pain and trauma that formed who you are right now actually get healed. It, it doesn't seem like that that would work, right? That just spending time with God, just focusing on truth, that that could be transformation in your life. And that's why we resort to principles and methods. We resort to self-help books. I'm not saying that there's no fruit in that, Yes, we, like knowledge can help. But if we base all of our reliance on those things to transform us, we're missing out. We're just trying to improve an, on an old man. That, yeah, you might have a little bit of fruit. It might look like a little bit of transformation. But you'll have to maintain it by your self-effort. You'll have to keep up that, that self-made identity. It's a lot of work. But what happens if you're just spending time with God in that place where you can just be raw and real before him? Everything that you're struggling about. I, I, I brought this before the Lord many times. God, I have a problem judging people. I have a hard time because, you know, I just feel so offended. And in that place, in the beginning, I, I felt dirty before God. Like, how can you love me? Look how rotten I am. I can't, I can't stop myself from judging people. But the more that I went to him, and even though it was scary in the beginning, just showing him, hey, this is what I'm struggling with, and allowing him to love me in that place. I'm not trying to be better, trying to do, you know, be good. I'm just being raw and honest with him. And I could see slowly in my life, maybe not right away, maybe not in an instant, that actually it's becoming less and less of a problem. And it becomes to a place where I, when I see a little bit of fruit, I'm like, wow, this is, this is the real reason why I'm not supposed to judge. It's not what the church has always preached to me about, just like, hey, stop judging others. <laughs> because as a Christian, you shouldn't judge. No, everything written in this book was written for me, for my benefit. God didn't want to place us stuck in, in, in just a bunch of rules to follow. He's always wanted our hearts. He's always wanted relationship. So when I found, you know, the importance of rooting out judgment from my life, it literally became more of a conscious act where any time there's a situation where I'd be tempted to assume I know someone's heart intention 
or their, their motives of the reason why they're doing something, I stop myself. I've been a little bit worse about it lately. I mean, so, I mean just being honest with you. But I, I used to be like super vigilant with it, super intentional about it. So it, when it comes to that place and you could actually recognize it and stop yourself, I would just pray to God, I would say, God, like, I release this person from my judgments. I give up my right to even judge this person. Even if it seems like I'm completely right, <laughs> even if I am right at the end of the day, I, I don't want to operate out of that mode of judgment because I know that, judge, that cycle of judgment is the old operating system of the fallen man and I'm no longer my old man. I'm born again, I'm a new creation, and now I have a new wiring where that isn't my normal. That isn't my wiring. I don't have to be subject like the rest of the world to do that. You know why we judge people? It's actually just to protect ourselves. So if we judge someone, turns out we're right, that person, see, I told you I was right. And you, you put up this guard and this, this wall against them so that they can't hurt you. So if you, if you could be a couple steps ahead and, and know, somehow know and figure out, oh yeah, this person is this way, then you could distance yourself away from them. So I guess I just want to end with this. Rooting out judgment from our lives isn't so that we can modify our behavior and act like good Christians. What's at stake is not being about, what's at stake is, 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 is really just not being able to be spiritually minded and to appropriate everything that God has uh, accomplished on the cross on our behalf. And that's stepping into a new creation why don't you guys just stand up with me? All right. I know this topic can, can feel a little heavy. <laughs> and I do feel like the Lord is moving on hearts today. And um, he's doing some heart surgery. And I promise you that just allow him to come into your hearts in this place where even you might feel some condemnation, you might feel some shame, but it's in that place where you could actually be honest with God and, and, and be present in that moment, that you could actually feel that and, and give it to him. Because when you could experience his love in that place, that's what can actually heal you. And so what I'm not preaching to you is like, hey, change your behavior, do this or do that, change yourself. All I'm asking for you to do is open up your heart to God in this place and say, hey, God, if this is true, if, if you have something greater for me, a greater level of emotional health, a greater uh, place of inner healing for my life, 
where I don't have to do something to earn it, that I could simply just believe in the finished work and what you've done for me. And in that place of grace, that there's transformation, supernatural transformation that I can appropriate, then I want that. And I promise you, it's simply this, it's simply just being raw and real before God. So I just want to take a moment. I, I feel like the Holy Spirit is here. He, he wants to set hearts free. And I felt, especially in the place of self-hatred, that if you have struggled with self-hatred for any length of time, really, but if you're like me, where it was such a stronghold over your life, where it's hard for you not to love yourself, I mean, it, you just give yourself a hard time all the time, I believe God wants to free you from that today. So why don't you guys place your, your hands on your heart? And we're going to do this. If that's you, if when I'm speaking, you're like, that's me. God wants to set you free today. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask Holy Spirit right now, if there's anyone that comes to mind, that you made a judgment about, that you just need to release. And don't worry, it's not an act of works where you have to like list everyone you could possibly think of, just whoever is being highlighted. Or you could just in general just say, hey, God, right now I release everyone that I've judged from any of the judgments I've made against them. And now what you're going to do is after you release those people from your judgments, then release yourself of the judgments made upon you. So that might sound like, God, I, I release myself from the judgments that I placed on others and came back on me. And I bless myself and I bless the others to be able to be free from the cycle of judgment, from any standard I've placed on them or myself. Yeah, and just allow God's love to pour into that place. So right now, God, I just thank you for hearts that are open today. God, I thank you that you are covering each and every person in here with your love, that there's no fear in love. God, right now, I pray for healing in hearts, and I pray for just freedom, complete freedom, tangible freedom from self-hatred. And if anyone in here suffers from negative self-introspection, I just command those lying voices in their heads to be silent right now in Jesus' name. I pray that only your voice, God, would be audible in their heads, the truth of who you say they are. Yeah. So we thank you, God. We thank you, God that you made a way, a new and living way for each and every one of us, that we could step into perfect wholeness, perfect health, the way you designed it, by grace through faith. 
not by our works. God, I pray in the spirit right now that you would solidify that, that you make that so real in our lives, that you would give us understanding of how that works, even if we can't grasp it with our carnal minds. Teach us how to appropriate everything that you accomplished and paid for on the cross. May we be so transformed in who we are that the world would look at us and be like, there's something different. There's something different about this person. God, may we be a testimony, a living epistle of you in our lives. So I bless everyone here. Thank you, God, for everyone in here, their hearts. Thank you for just wholeness and healing. God, may we be the people that are the most loved on the planet, that we know that we are the most loved. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank Richard. Thank you for that message. I just want to say, too, um, sometimes I can, like, feel and discern the, the questions flying around in your heads. And so I just wanted to address that real quick, because when you're talking about judgment and the finished works of the cross, sometimes you're like, I have a struggle that is really strong within me, and I've tried spending more time with God. I've tried to get refreshed in my identity, and nothing's working. And I want to tell you that there's so much more hope for you, um, that this discussion is the starting point is identity and intimacy. It always is. Identity and intimacy. But then we have a Holy Spirit that's with us that guides us through whatever difficulty you're in. And God is also a practical God. And so as we spend time with him, he might give you strategy. In fact, he will give you strategy of how to walk into full freedom. You might need to have accountability with a friend. Heck, that, that scripture said, there is a time where you take the log out of your brother's eye. That means that through relationship, we call each other higher. It doesn't mean like, oh, I just don't want to judge my brother. I'm not going to say anything. There is a time when we've allowed the Holy Spirit to work in conviction in our own lives that we then can approach someone else from a pure place through a place where we believe in, in the best in the individual next to us, where we call them higher. And so there's much more to this discussion. What about, we didn't even talk about discernment. What's the difference between judgment and discernment? How do we, how do we look at different ministries that we feel are a little off? Are we, using, are we judging or are we discerning? So I just want to encourage you guys, let the conversation continue. We'll let the conversation continue here. And I, I hope this really sparked something within you, that the starting point is identity, who you are and whose you are. And it all comes back to that place and intimacy. Deepening your friendship and your relationship with God. And he'll guide you onward. He has the paths of life. He always has a solution. So I just want to bless you with that truth as well. Love you guys. Have an incredible week. And we'll see you at home group. We'll see you after church at lunch. We'll see you at the beach or all of the above. Have a great week. Woo!